Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Ella, a university student who was born with a congenital heart condition. Really, all I wanted to hear was from a normal person, not a medical person, that everything was going to be fine. They've lived a healthy, normal life. They've managed to have children. They've managed to have a career and, you know, have fun and not worry too much about their heart condition. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Molly Tresiden. And on the ticker tapes, we hear from people who are living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, Ella talks to me about how it feels to grow up with a heart condition and some of the surprising things she can and can't do, like never being able to get a tattoo. Ella, could you start by just telling me a bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Ella. I'm 19 years old. I study law at the University of Birmingham. Um, I've grown up with a congenital heart defect called transposition of the great arteries. And really, it hasn't affected me that much at all. I love sports. I love cooking. I love hockey. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Great. And yeah, so you've lived with this heart condition for your whole life. When do you remember first being aware that you had a heart condition? Um, I think my mum wanted to raise me knowing that I had a heart condition. So really from the get-go, from when I, I remember, I grew up knowing that I had a heart condition. I think she did this because not that um, my condition affects me on a daily basis or anything like that, but I think because I had a scar on my chest and, um, you know, some things say, oh, if you have a heart condition, you can't go on this ride, etc. It was just nice for me to be aware that I had this and I could tell an adult from a young age just in case I needed to. So do you remember, was there like a moment when your mum sat down with you and and talked to you about it? Or was it more just that you always knew when you were growing up that it was a part of you? I always knew it was a part of me. I think we had two conversations where I realised it was more of I only had this and my siblings didn't. Um, One of them was when I asked my mum if I could get my ears pierced at about four or five. She was quite sceptical about me getting my ears pierced because of my heart condition. And I think the other one was when I kind of used to just ask her about my scars a little bit. But other than that, not really. She kind of just, I just grew up with it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you were kind of aware of your scars from quite a young age. Yeah. Yeah. And so going back, your parents must have told you the story of um, you know when your mum was pregnant with you and when they had you and do you know what it was like for them? Yeah so they were quite young they were 23 and 25 I think and they just moved to Ireland and found out that um, they were pregnant with me and my mum had all the normal scans um, she had 11 week scan she had a 20 week scan and um, she keeps she always says to me only 30% of heart conditions um, show up on scans because she's a midwife so she she went into midwifery because of this, actually. She had a fetal heart um, monitoring with me because apparently I was quite um, quiet in her stomach, but nothing showed up on that. So, yeah, it was quite a scary time. So until up to my birth, they had no idea that I had a heart condition and that I, that I was quite a healthy, normal baby. Yeah. And then what happened when you were born? So when I was born, um, I was a blue baby my birth was normal it was absolutely fine and then I was what you call a blue baby so I didn't turn pink um they took me straight up to like get checked out and then they took they blue lighted me over from I think it was Hollis Street Hospital to the Crumlin in Dublin and they did check so there were one of three conditions that I could have had fortunately for me I only had transposition of the great arteries but um it took them a while well it took them around I think 
24 hours to figure that out and then three days later I had an operation so it was quite like dramatic and it kind of scared them a little bit I think because they were quite young they were alone in Dublin they didn't really know what was going on so yeah yeah and from their point of view they you know you were their oldest child as well weren't you and so then they had you and then suddenly you get whisked away and presumably taken straight into things like intensive care yeah, exactly. My mum um, did a PhD on it, actually, because of her own experiences with me on postnatal depression and the effects in neonatal intensive care, because obviously I was whisked away. And she always says she didn't realise at the time, but like three, four years later, she realised that she did have a bit of um, PTSD from it. She said she really couldn't talk about it for a year afterwards. So I think it had quite an effect on them. Mm. And... Can you tell me a bit about what your understanding of your condition, transposition of the great arteries is? Yeah, so I was taught this from quite a young age as well, really in simplistic terms. I hope I say this right, but carbon dioxide was going around my body instead of oxygen. So I wasn't getting enough oxygen into my bloodstream. So then I was a blue baby, so therefore they had to do the switch. And they switched my um, pulmonary artery and my aorta around and that's all they had to do luckily for me. I know other people with transpositional great arteries have other things, but for me that was what my condition was, yeah. So they did this switch operation and then your parents were able to take you home at some point after that? Yeah, within a month, I think I was in an incubator and I was tube fed for a month. And then after that, they were able to take me home. My mum was able to, well, she bottle fed me and yeah, they could look after me. I think I had checkups from uh, in, within the first year every few months and then it went to every year and then when I was about I think eight or nine I went to every three years and then every four years and now I haven't been for about five years and I think partly to do with Covid but it shows how I've been able to just live a normal life without having checkups and things like that. Mm, yeah and so then growing up with a heart condition what was it like for you think normal things like going to school was was there any difference for you? Um, never really any difference physically. I think I struggled quite a bit in primary school, once again, because of my scars. I had quite a big scar down my chest. I have four. So when I was quite young and we were changing, you know, for PE and things like that, um, a few of my friends would always ask, oh, what is, what is that? And I used to be very, very self-conscious about it. But other than that, I never, I never really couldn't do anything my friends couldn't do. Um, I did have to tell people that I had a heart condition, but I could do everything else, PE and everything like that. So yeah, it was it was okay growing up. Yeah, and it's I mean it's a time when people I think can feel quite self conscious anyway, especially I guess as you get to being a teenager. And how did you sort of deal with the scars as you as you grew up? I have um, a really lovely story. Um, my best friend, she's still one of my really really close friends. We were about three years old, I think, and we were getting changed and for three-year-olds is quite profound um she looked at my scar and she, I think she could tell I was quite self-conscious about it and, and she pointed at it and she said oh I used to have one like that but mine faded over time and I, I, maybe we were a little bit older than three maybe we were about five but I remember thinking of course she didn't have a scar because I knew why I had the scar but I knew she was just trying to help me out and um I was thinking she didn't have the scar, but I thought it was really, really sweet that she was trying to pretend that she also had a scar so that she was in the same boat as me. So I thought that was quite sweet for, you know, primary school children. But then also growing up, you know, getting into relationships, I've always been quite self-conscious about it. So I've just really sometimes avoided talking about it, but 
it's, it's quite obvious on my chest, so I've ended up talking about it and everyone's always been so supportive. And I think it's more of an issue, or it's not even an issue, something that I think is an issue when it really, in real life, it's not, and people really don't care. They're more interested in it. And a few people have called it um, a battle room scar, so that's quite nice as well. Yeah. Mm. And do you think it's made you more aware of heart health, like more aware than other people might be? Uh, yeah, I do think it has. Um, I've always been um, a healthy child. My mum always says, oh, you always went for the healthier food options. I've never really liked the unhealthier food options. But um, since becoming a teenager, I've been very aware of what I put into my body, I think, and how much exercise that I do. And I don't really need to, but at the same time, I think heart health is really, really important. So I do tend to exercise quite a lot and just keep my heart healthy and strong. And whenever I have any other medical issues, I always make sure that I mention it to the GP or whoever is looking after me to make sure that they keep an eye on my heart not that I've had any health issues but you know just in case um and I've also tended to to go for a more healthier diet than um uh an unhealthy diet because I know more about you know the issues that that can come with heart disease and stuff like that not that I've been told to but just out of choice that I have done that yeah Mm. that's the reason I wanted to do this podcast because growing up I never really had anyone my age or knew anyone my age that had a heart condition especially like transposition of the great arteries and I, st- I think I only know one person now but um I thought I saw her kind of as someone to look up to because I knew she had a heart condition so I kind of followed along what she was saying for quite a while because obviously it's worked for her and I also used to um google you know people that had heart conditions <laughs> to make sure that I was going to be fine growing up so yeah I, I did kind of look up to people like that and especially people with um, scars down their chests I thought that was um really like interesting and my grandfather one of his friends he had a scar on his chest and I used to feel like oh I can actually relate to someone because they have the same thing as me which is quite nice so yeah I've always kind of looked up to people that have heart conditions yeah um and has your heart condition is there anything that it's kind of prevented you from doing or that you're not able to do as a result of having it um not anything that I consider stopping me from doing things in everyday life other than I'm not allowed to row I'm not really sure why um I can't lift heavy weights above my head again for the same reason as rowing I think but these are like insanely heavy weights I can still lift weights I'm not allowed to get tattoos which isn't really anything that bothers me too much and I'm not allowed to get piercings either um due to the risk of getting endocarditis which is an infection of the heart but um other than that no I'm I can live a normal life and that's really positive I think yeah it's fantastic and um we were talking earlier about um you're going into your second year of university now Mm-hmm. And I guess your first year of university wasn't that typical anyway because of COVID, but did it ever factor into your thinking about going off to university? Not at all. Um, I think my mum would agree I'm quite an independent person, so nothing would ever stop me from doing anything. Uh, my heart would never stop me from doing anything like that. And as long as I register with a GP, I still get my checkups. I think it's absolutely fine. I'm going to live a life where I'm quite independent from my heart condition. I don't really associate with it. And the doctors and people like that have never ever said that I can't do anything independent or be away from home or anything like that. So it definitely wasn't something I factored in. The only thing I would ever worry about is if I went abroad 
for you know a year abroad or two years that I'd just change my doctor or let my um my um consultant in but no but other than that no not at all yeah and, and how does it fit with you know when you think of this student lifestyle you don't generally think of it as being particularly healthy how does how does it kind of fit in with that I'm really fortunate I have five really great best friends in uni um and they're all very similar to me they all love exercising we all like going to the gym we were going to do a half marathon but that was cancelled due to covid so it's it's fine really they all kind of are very similar to me we all kind of like cooking together not everyone's veggie plant-based or pesky but we all kind of you know fit in and try each other's foods it's really nice and yeah I've got really lovely supportive friends around that and I do like join in with normal student lifestyle as well but I just try and be careful that I'm not consuming too much alcohol. So you mentioned that you wanted to do this podcast because you wanted to kind of speak to other people who had heart conditions or have transposition of the great arteries. Is there something that you kind of would have liked someone to say to you when you were growing up with it that you would say to other people? Yeah a hundred percent. Um Growing up, um, I've never really suffered from anxiety, but I did get panic attacks quite a lot growing up because of my heart condition and worrying really that I was going to die or um, something was going to happen or I was going to have a heart attack. And I was very aware of that for a really long time. And really, all I wanted to hear was from a normal person, not a medical person, that everything was going to be fine. They've lived a healthy, normal life. They've managed to have children. They've managed to have a career and, you know, have fun and not worry too much about their heart condition. So I thought doing this podcast would hopefully help parents who are worried about their children and the heart con- and the heart condition that they have, but also help you know teenagers or y- younger children realize that most things and that growing up with a heart condition isn't scary. And at the end of the day, there are medical professionals out there to help if anything does go wrong. But majority of the time, it'll be absolutely fine. You can live a normal life and have normal relationships and friends and go to uni and yeah. Yeah, that's really great, and it's a really good point because. I suppose when you are growing up with a heart condition and you know you're too young to fully understand what that means then I can I can completely understand how you might think you might worry about that and and worry about things like heart attacks because that's what we tend to think of when we think of hearts isn't it yeah definitely I remember not being able to watch things like Holby City or Casualty because I'd be so worried that that was going to happen to me and you know the heart is such a big organ and a muscle and everyone's reminded to look after it and eat a healthy balanced diet because otherwise you could end up with um heart defects or um, a heart attack or cardiac arrest and things like that so yeah growing up and being surrounded by that was quite scary sometimes but there's really no need to be scared of it and did you you know did you talk to people about that did you talk to your parents about about your worries about that Oh, definitely. My mum was my biggest support. I always go to my mum when I'm scared of things. I still I still do as a 19-year-old. I used to just panic and my mum would know how to calm me down. It would be like the weirdest things, like going to the cinema, sitting down and my length would go tingly because, you know, I've been sitting for so long and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, I've got a blood clot. And I'd have to tell my mum. My mum knew the signs because I used to yawn quite a lot to, to try and get more oxygen in. Um, so my mum would be like, oh gosh, she's off on one. <laughs> so she'd just calm me down and tell me that everything was okay and that if I was going to have a heart attack, I would have had one by now. And yeah, so my mum was my biggest support. And I think my friends as well, they've always kind of known, so they've kind of looked after me. 
but those kind of happened when I was a younger teenager I kind of grew out of that the more I knew and the more I could google and the more I could find out about my heart condition so I'm glad that's stopped now yeah I suppose it, yeah it's really helpful being able to then go online and read up about it and yeah hopefully somebody will find this podcast and they'll be able to hear your experiences and feel reassured by those as well definitely um, and is there is there any advice that you might give to somebody who is growing up with a heart condition or growing up with TGA? I think the best thing to do is if you're ever worried, just ask questions, ask questions to your parents, ask questions to your GP, ask questions to your to the hospital that you go to, like for me it's Bart. I know that the British Heart Foundation, they gave me a pack when I was transitioning from um, childhood to adulthood with every, most things in there are covered, things like sports nutrition contraception anything you know a, an adolescent might want to um, talk about and also go to your um, cardiac nurse as well because I know that they can be quite helpful in answering questions especially when I um, co- when COVID hit I was quite concerned so I'd phone I phoned up my um, cardiac nurse and she reassured me so sometimes Google can be a blessing but sometimes Google can be a curse as well so sometimes I think going to a medical professional just ask the smallest of questions can be really helpful but if not your parents as well because they know a lot as well yeah that's great and what does the future hold what uh, do you know what you're hoping to do after university um yeah I really want to go into law because that's what I study I'm not sure yet what type of law but I definitely want to travel with it maybe um have a look at humanitarian law or EU law those really interest me definitely travel like I said but other than that, I'm not sure what the future holds, but I'm excited. <laughs> and I know that my heart condition won't stop me from doing anything, which is great. And are there any, like, you know, things that people might not think about, so kind of like, you know, strange little things about growing up with a heart condition that people might not expect? Yeah, so um, one of the big things for me was um, contraception. Um, growing up, I've always had to tell the GP um, before going on contraception or anything like that, that I have a heart condition because I know a lot of hormonal um, contraceptive pills um, can cause blood clots, which could not be compatible sometimes with heart conditions. So I've always told GPs, things like that. Fortunately for me, those have never really affected me, but I know a few people who have heart conditions can't have certain contraceptive pills and things like that. Mm, Yeah, so it's like an added complication. Yeah, it's just mentioning it, I think, is quite good. And I know that there's always other options, so that's absolutely fine. But I just thought that was quite a quirky little niche Mm, thing that I have to check up on. Um, Another thing is fairground rides. I'm not sure if, like, anyone else has found this, but they always say, oh, if you have a heart condition, you you mustn't go on this fairground ride. But fortunately for me, that's never applied, for most things anyway. I don't tend to go on them. I tend to be quite careful and only go on the the medium rides maybe I'm just a scaredy cat really but um (laughs) yeah it's a good excuse if you need it definitely an amazing (laughs) excuse I don't tend to go on like the loop-de-loop ones but you know every other like quite fast paced ride or you know fairground rides I tend to go on but I thought that was quite an interesting thing because it's kind of random a bit niche as well but yeah So something that's quite interesting about your condition is that the switch is a relatively recent procedure. Obviously, you were able to have it 19 years ago, but there won't be that many people who are older than you who've had the switch. Is that right? Yeah. So I don't actually know anyone that's had the switch 
which is another reason I wanted to do this podcast so that people that have had the switch know that someone else has had it and their experience with it. The only other person I know that has TGA is I think he's a 45 48 year old man um and I don't actually know him I've just heard of him someone mentioned him to me before and he didn't have the switch but he's managed to live quite a normal life as well I know that before the switch that they used the hole in the heart method but um other than that yeah I'm not really aware of anyone that else has had the switch so it would be really nice to meet a few people and actually share each other's experiences about having the switch and the scars and stuff like that so yeah yeah, because it's it's an amazing procedure and fantastic that it's able to be done. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, it doesn't sort of lend itself to <laughs> there being a load of people out there at the moment who are your age who have had it. Exactly. And that can be a bit daunting sometimes because if we're the oldest of the bunch, we don't actually know what the future has to hold for us. But I know it's positive because otherwise they wouldn't have introduced an operation like that. And it's, you know, modern technology. They've obviously done research around the switch and what they can do. But yeah, it's quite interesting because we are the oldest. So hopefully children in the future can look up to people that have had the switch and see that they've lived a normal life. And that can be quite a positive reassuring thing for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you mentioned earlier that you go in for regular checkups can you talk me through what it's like when you go in for these checkups and what it's been like as well transitioning from being a a child patient to an adult patient so um yeah I've been having these checkups throughout my life so they weren't very weird to me I just really did not like them definitely had white coat syndrome go in because you know you never know the outcome but um usually when I went to Great Ormond Street which is what I can remember from being about three onwards is that so every two to three to four to five years I would I'd go in I'd have an ECG and they'd weigh me they'd measure my height then they would take my blood pressure as well which is always through the roof because I was so scared (laughs) of the doctor yeah because when you say Um, white coat syndrome that's kind of feeling really anxious before you go into mm -hmm. hospital Mm -hmm. yeah so they knew I had that because sometimes my blood pressure was ridiculously high and I was like no I have got normal blood pressure I'm just a bit scared (laughs) um and then they would do a bit of an echo of my heart they would try and find my arteries and just scan around there so I did once have to have a more thorough one but that was absolutely fine um and then after my echo I'd have a consultation with my doctor and they would just go through what they found on the echo if they'd found anything and then go through my weight my height and if I had any questions which usually were absolutely fine I do remember um one year when I was about I'd say I was about eight nine going through a growth spurt um my arteries had grown significantly faster I think they'd stretched or something like that and they were a little bit concerned that year just because they'd grown but the following year I went for a checkup and they were absolutely fine it was just because I'd gone uh, I'd gone through a gross bit so it's quite interesting to see and the way they dealt with that because obviously having white coat syndrome I would always stress and they never told me that they were con- massively concerned they told my parents they told my parents but they'd never tell me I was they were concerned they would just make me feel like everything was fine and then I didn't actually know that they were keeping an eye on my arteries in a more closer depth until afterwards which was quite reassuring because sometimes people don't really want to know especially at eight that they're a bit worried but everything was fine so that's absolutely fine and then transitioning through the adolescence part I had I was switched over to a cardiac nurse and she spoke to me she gave me a little pack like I mentioned earlier with all things you know 
grown up, grown up with TGA, grown up with heart condition, grown up with contraception, food, sport, everything like that. And then I did a fitness test, which was horrible. <laughs> they put me on a little watt bike for about 10 minutes to check my sats and my heart rate and things like that. What was so horrible about it? Do you have to like cycle full out for 10 minutes? So yeah, you have to, they start you off quite slow and they work up the pace. But I had um, a mask on because they wanted to see my view. I think it was my VO2 max. And I also had like other machinery clipped to me because they wanted to check my heart rate, my blood pressure, um, things like that. So it was kind of like really sweaty and warm and I couldn't really cycle properly plus who really likes cycling in front of other people do you have like do you have lots of people like looking at you and observing you as you're doing this um usually not but for the the fitness test I had two people which wasn't my mum and two people which wasn't too bad Mm. but it's just a bit embarrassing anyway I hate working out in front of people so yeah it was a little bit embarrassing but um other than that and the fact that it went on for 10 minutes is quite long but other than that it wasn't too bad and then I also had to have an MRI to make sure everything was okay and everything was okay. And then they handed me over to Bart's, which I haven't been to yet because of COVID. But I've got an appointment actually on the 30th of September. So I'll yeah, I'm have to see what that's like. But I'm sure it's exactly the same and just an echogram and a bit of a mm. consultation. So yeah. And do you feel less nervous going for appointments these days? Not really. I, I know that if there was an issue, I'd know about it. Because I, you know, I live for myself. I know about changes in my heart and stuff like that. But I think going to the doctors is always quite scary, especially, you know, a new place as well. And I, you know, you never know what the outcome is, but it's it's become easier to manage. And we make a day of it because we have to go up to London from where I live in Wales. So my mum, we always go, we go there first in the morning and then my mum will take me for food and we'll go shopping. So there's always something to look forward to. During yeah, the day. that's really, that's a really nice way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've spent a lot more time in hospitals than most people would expect by the age of 19. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like, fortunately for me, they've always just been checkups, but I'm kind of used to it now. And I know that there's nothing to be worried about, even if you do get, I still do get white coat syndrome, but yeah, there isn't anything to be worried about usually. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ella. Um, Yeah, it's been really fantastic having you share your experiences. Thank you for having me. (laughs) For young people like Ella living with a heart condition, the BHF has the One Beat support group. This group brings together 18 to 30 year olds living with heart and circulatory conditions, and it's a place to talk with others who might be going through something similar to you, and a forum to learn more about your health while getting updates on the BHF's latest research. For more information, go to bhf.org.uk slash onebeat. If you've got any questions about your heart or circulatory health, you can call the BHF Heart Helpline between 9 and 5 on Mondays to Fridays on 0300-330-3311 or email hearthelpline at bhf.org.uk. Thank you for listening and join us next time on The Ticker Tapes.